I was floored last week when I heard that the sacred sisterhood, a topic that does not surface much nowadays on the mainstream media circuit, was going to be profiled on national television. Now by sacred sisterhood, I mean sisters, I mean nuns. If you missed it, on February 9th, the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, were one of the highlight stories for Oprah Winfrey's daily one-hour show. Oprah's correspondent, Lisa Ling, documented her time spent at the Sisters' Convent in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And several of the Dominican sisters were also in the Oprah studio for a chat, answering questions about their vocation as Brides of Christ. The Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, started in 1997 as an answer to Pope John Paul II's call for the new evangelization and the Oprah show aired on their 13th anniversary. The sisters recognized that these dates were completely unplanned and coincidental and thanked the Lord for his timely intervention. This show was both groundbreaking and informative on the beliefs, lifestyles, and practices of an American convent. Now, Oprah's daily show is seen by a vast amount of viewers from diverse backgrounds. So it's a wonderful opportunity for the church to get its message across to a mainstream audience while putting the spotlight on an exemplary Catholic community like the Dominican Sisters. The production of this segment attests to the goals of World Social Communications Day as well. It is a momentous occasion and a momentous step for the Catholic Church in its mission to become readily accessible through new technological channels. So who says mainstream media is a bad thing? I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. I'm Christian Matrenko. And in a little bit, Mary Rose will be with us with some news about what's happening across the country. And Chris, we have news today? Yeah, we'll be talking about uh, the Pope's message for Lent, as well as uh, his meeting with Irish bishops in light of the sexual abuse mm. problems they've had in the country. But also, we're going to be speaking about the Olympics and, uh, and whether Canada is doing a good job in representing itself. Yeah, I'm actually mm -hmm. looking forward to that conversation. Um, Chris, a few weeks ago, we were speaking about the Holy Father's message on social communications and about digital media and the new technologies. And well, today, we're going to speak to someone who actually put Facebook to really good use. Um, so that'll be a little later in the program. And our Artist of the Week is Andy Carey, someone I met while doing the coffeehouse uh, scene in Toronto. We did uh, quite a few, as you know, Hungry for the Spirit coffee houses. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Andy Carey will be speaking with us in about 30 minutes. And as always, we begin with a song. This is Andy Carey from his album Closing Circle with the song Color. Changes 
That was Andy Carey with his song, Color, from his album, Closing Circle. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. 
And our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and here with me now is Mary Rose for the first half of our events segment. That's right, Pedro. So we're going to talk again about 40 Days for Life. I'm not, I'm not going to repeat what I said last week, but as I mentioned before, 40 Days for Life began Ash it's Wednesday. Begun, yes. Yes, and we'll be on through March 28th, Palm Sunday. And each day people pray and fast and stand vigil outside abortion clinics. They do outreach to the community, basically. It's a very peaceful, prayerful approach, especially for those of you who feel uncomfortable about speaking out too loud. It's very, very, very peaceful and prayerful. Mm -hmm. um, and people are welcome to come in any day they can, come in and out. So as I mentioned last week, that in Canada, four provinces are participating. So check the website 40daysforlife.com. That's 40daysforlife.com to find out if it's taking place anywhere near you. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, there have been just five of these 40 Days for Life campaigns. And I'll just mention a few of the countless blessings because I never mentioned them last time. Yeah. So one is more than 9,500 church congregations have participated. Wow. Um, reports document 2,168 lives that have been spared from abortion, and those are just the ones we know about. Yes. And 27 abortion workers have quit their jobs and walked away from the abortion industry. Yes. So again, check out 40daysforlife.com, 40daysforlife.com. Mm -hmm. Now in Winnipeg, two different things I like to talk about. One is regarding um, the, uh, the cause for the Haitians uh, because of the earthquake that happened January 12th. Yeah. Um, some of you may have heard of Alex Jean-Paul and his wife in the news on TV uh, or in newspapers. Now, Alex is originally from Haiti uh, and he and his wife Gertrude uh, went to Haiti to assess construction progress in two elementary schools being built there. And so they were there during the earthquake in Port-au-Prince on January 12th. So they experienced for a short while the suffering of the people. Um, they even spent two nights on the streets uh, of Haiti. And so while taking pictures, they promised the people that they would tell their stories of hardship and hope. Mm. So since their return to Haiti, they've been asking Canadians to think about the long-term support for the Haitian people, specifically with regards to housing, food, medicine, and schooling for the children. So on Sunday, February 28th in, in the Archdiocese of Winnipeg at 7 p.m., Alex Jean-Paul will speak about his experiences in Haiti. So you can join him and his wife at the Saint-Emile Parish Centre in Winnipeg. Um, at the same time, or a few days before that, in Winnipeg, on February 25th, a Thursday, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., if you show up at King's Head in the Exchange District of Winnipeg, you can listen to guest speaker Father Kevin Smith on the topic of vocation. And you'll also meet new people, engage in conversation about why you do or do not have a religious vocation, or you can just grow in your faith. Mm -hmm. So for further information, contact the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry at youth at archwinnipeg.ca. And finally in Toronto, uh, Toronto has its own theology on, theology on Tap experience. And this topic in Toronto is a heavy one. Catholicism and Homosexuality, wow. a Journey of Discernment. Mm -hmm. That's on February 22nd. You can join young adults 19 to 39 at the Duke of York pub for a social evening of thought-provoking discussion on this topic. And the, and the guest speakers are Dr. Moira McQueen, Canadian Catholic Bioethics Institute and Dennis Costello, Catholic Family Services of Toronto. Munchies are provided, cash bar, so come and bring a friend. For more information, um, visit faithconnections.ca, a ministry of the Sisters of St. Joseph of Toronto. Yes, and they do great work with the young adult ministry. Thank you, Mary Rose. 
Uh, Mary Rose will return in a little bit to tell us all about how the Church of Vancouver is dealing or coping with the Olympics. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and now here with me is Chris, um, the Irish bishops. That's right. It was something that... Uh, um, that we've known about for a while, and it finally happened on Monday. Irish bishops met with the Holy Father. They each had an opportunity uh, to spend uh, several minutes with him uh, to discuss the, the sexual abuse crisis, um, uh, which has come up in, in the country, and to be able to speak frankly with them. Uh, the problems are not only the sexual abuse crisis itself, but unity among the bishops and what should be done. Um, uh, differing opinions of, of whether who of who should resign, and uh, and so the Holy Father was able to to speak with with the protagonist there and and uh, and develop a better sense for the problem. And uh, he spoke. Uh, he addressed all the bishops, saying that um, sexual abuse of children and young people is not only a heinous crime, but a grave sin which offends God and wounds the dignity of the human person created in His image. This is from the press release from the Holy See press office. Uh, he also talked about a crisis of faith uh, contributing to this. And uh, from this crisis of faith, a lack of respect for the human person. And he says that this weakening of faith is a significant contributing factor to this phenomenon of sexual abuse of minors. And it follows in the sense that, you know, obviously this, these kinds of actions are very much contrary to the faith. And somewhere along the line, uh, people uh, seem to be thinking that that this could be somehow acceptable. So this is this is his train of thought, mm -hmm. and he thinks there needs to be deeper theological reflection, improved human pa uh, spiritual, academic, and pastoral preparation, and uh, and he showed the bishops a draft of his pastoral letter that he's going to be sending the Irish Church, and this is something that that they were able to <clears throat> to comment on, in which the Holy Father will be releasing sometime during Lent. And so this whole meeting with with the popes, uh, with the pope, and the bishops, which uh, is is you know a very intense situation. Um, the Holy Father uh, said that this is sort of something that the church should be reflecting on during Lent, mm -hmm. and it follows from his own Lenten message that he released, and uh, and also uh, his message um, during the traditional penitential procession. Uh, that, that he did from the Basilica of St. Anselm in Rome. So it's not in St. Peter's, but in St. Anselm, that they do this procession. Right. And then they go to the Basilica of St. Sabina. Yes. Uh, where he celebrated Holy Mass and the blessing and imposition of ashes. I'm sure many of our listeners uh, had the ashes imposed on them and their respective parishes. And he said that this marking of the forehead uh, allows us to recognize our own iniquity and recognizing our iniquity is the first act of justice. I thought it was a really interesting point. Yeah. He also said that Jesus' 40 days in the, in the desert, that was his Lent. This was his experience of Lent. And following Jesus into our own Lenten desert, it's a necessary condition for us as we want to participate in Easter and the Exodus. And uh, so we must follow Jesus into the desert. Mm. Thank you, Chris. So that's the news for now. Um, and Chris will return in about 20 minutes so we can uh, together travel to the Winter Olympics mm -hmm. in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So we look forward to that. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. People everywhere have been thinking about Haiti, donating money, sending supplies, praying. Some people have even gone down there to help. 
But Nicholas Ferreira found a fairly unique way to help through Facebook. Nicholas joins us now on the phone. Nicholas, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you very much, Pedro. So, Nicholas, you, how were you feeling when you heard about the earthquake in Haiti? Well, as the first news report came across my uh, television screen and I was reading about it, I just couldn't help but uh, be astounded at the numbers I was seeing, the number of people that were affected by this. It seemed out of any proportion I'd seen in, in recent history. Yeah, now you've been involved in other relief efforts. I know you went down to New Orleans for uh, after Katrina. So were you feeling right away, oh, like what can I do? Or um, should I go down there? Should I donate money? Is that were some of those thoughts going through your head? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've always been brought up to, you know, try and leave the world a better place in some way, shape, or form. So mm-hmm. even, even seeing something on a larger scale that's somewhat distant from me, you know, I was still thinking, well, is there, is there something I can do some way to help out? Right now, so you're watching the news. Uh, I'm not sure how soon after the earthquake this was. You're watching the news one evening. Now tell us what you saw. Well, I was watching uh, CNN, and uh, there was uh, a young girl there, um, probably under 10 years old, and she was pinned under the rubble, and they could see her face, and, uh, and as she was being rescued, uh, she was yelling out and crying different things, and the reporter who was there said, oh, if only we knew what, what she was saying, and uh, then finally someone was there who was able to uh, interpret what she was saying in French, and you know, at that moment, uh, it dawned on me, you know, the language differences. Right. Now, uh, now it might be a good point to mention that you are a translator and a, an interpreter. Um, exactly. This is what you do yeah. for a living, so, so how did you decide that you could help? Or what well, I was, uh, you know, I am pretty savvy when it comes to the Internet, so I thought, well, if any, I could use my skills and uh, talents as a professional translator and interpreter to help in some way with the relief efforts and all the people who are affected in Haiti. Right, but you're in Canada, they're exactly. in Haiti, so how does it work? Well, uh, that's the wonders of technology. <laughs> I uh, sat down at Facebook that night uh, just after watching the CNN broadcast, and I, um, I, I created a Facebook group of translators and interpreters um, yeah. in order to um, channel the good intentions I'm sure many other professionals uh, had in, the, in my field to be able to help out in Haiti. So, okay, so the Facebook group exists. Let's find, it's called Let's Find 100,000 Translators and Interpreters, right? Yeah, t- t- together we can find Together we can find. Translators and Interpreters. And... So I'm sure right away uh, people started joining, uh, presumably translators. Exactly. Or people who yeah. can translate to either French to English or Creole to English. So, but how does it work practically? I mean, if the little girl is pinned under a, you know, a, 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 a piece of concrete or something, she's not going to send a, a tweet to Facebook. So how, do, how does it practically help? Can you give us some examples? Sure. Um, one of the great things that were done is uh, someone created a system whereby Haitians could text uh, messages to a certain number for free within Haiti, and this number, of course, is publicized in the radio. So any need they had, if there was a relative pinned under building, there was, you know, looting, uh, medical emergencies, whatever, they could text it in. Of course, all these texts are arriving in Creole and French, yeah. and um, the aid agencies 
needed someone in the middle to fill the gap to make that translation for them so that right. they knew what they were dealing with and what they were faced with. Right. Um, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro. I'm speaking with Nicholas Ferreira. He's a translator and interpreter uh, who came up with a fairly unique idea to use Facebook to help the people down in Haiti. So the Facebook group, Nicholas, uh, how's it doing now? How many, how many people have joined in? How many translators do you have? From, from I, we're about five short of a thousand right now, oh so really? uh, you know it's on its way uh, towards meeting its goal, and uh, you know it's consoling to see how how many people have wanted uh, to join in order to show their solidarity and lend a hand. And how uh, from from different countries translators? Yeah, really from all around the world. Um, a lot of them, of course, uh, French, Spanish, yeah. and uh, Creole speaking with right. regards to this crisis, but uh, from all around the world. Now, um, can you, I know that there are probably hundreds, uh, well, okay, let me ask you first, how many, about how many messages have you translated to this point? Not you personally, uh, but... Yes, yeah. um, through this system, the translators have uh, translated upwards of 18,000 messages That's in amazing. the past month, That's amazing. Um, all coming from Haitians on the ground who are ex- experiencing some sort of uh, need that um, they're hoping we can help with. Amazing. And any, any particular stories uh, that stand out for you? There's quite a few. Um, I guess one early on, uh, probably within three or four days of setting up the group, I was on there translating messages, and a guy texted and said that his um, one of his family members was trapped under a hospital and that she had been able to contact him. And so he was texting her location. And uh, so we were able to translate that message, get it relayed, and also um, she provided her her numbers, and we were able to send a text in in French to her, just letting her know people were on the way. Wow! So so just like that, people connecting with each other, uh, being able to communicate. Because I know there are no the phone lines. There's still no phone lines to Haiti, so p- cell phones. People are texting a lot. Um, right. Do you do you find that people have access to? computers down there with the electricity you know being being probably down in most places still or are people relying on cell phones yeah I'm not I'm not too sure on the electrical situation but I do know you know um, cell phone technology is very uh, widespread in Haiti and so you know just the fact that you know in a given weekend sometimes we get 3,000 messages to translate um, which is you know an extremely high volume but um, they're definitely they definitely have access to cell phone technology. Yeah. Now, the the group is called Together. We Together can find we can find one hundred thousand translators and interpreters. Exactly. Um, but it's not specifically for Haiti. So, do you see this group uh, continuing? I do. I do really. And uh, you know, I was faced with the choice at the beginning: do I make it just for Haiti? And really, I saw this. Uh, you know, today we have the crisis in Haiti, but tomorrow, you know, it might be humanitarian crisis in Eastern Europe or in Southern Africa or, you know, wherever in the world. So mm-hmm. the more people we have involved, the more resources we have to be able to pool together uh, to give a voice to the translation interpretation um, profession and right. to have those professionals be able to make a difference. I thought, uh, you know, that would be that would be the goal of the group. Yeah, now, you know, it's amazing that I... I you think that aid agencies would have translators, but, I, but maybe not enough or... Maybe they have limited budgets, so they're not able to to uh, to hire the kind of translators that they need. Is yeah, is exactly. So, some of them, that's the case. Um, 
you know, um, say, for example, the U.S. Red Cross, the American Red Cross, they uh, were looking for a group of 30 to 40 interpreters to go mm. volunteer for a month on a military ship, uh, American ship that's in the uh, Port-au-Prince Harbor right now. Right. Uh, just there, all the victims are being airlifted there for medical attention. Right. So there's been a group of interpreters there for a month. Another group going on shortly. Uh, you know, these are ways in which interpreters who want to get involved are able to to volunteer going on site, and of course, uh, through translations over the computer, they can do that also right. from home. Well, that's good to know. In case people are not able to go down, and most people are can't drop everything and just go. Right. You're able if you're a translator and interpreter. Go on Facebook. Together, we can find 100,000 translators and interpreters. You just put it in your search engine. The group comes up right away. Maybe we can get some uh, some more translators joining your group. Nicholas, thank you so much for your initiative and your creativity and uh, for the for the work that you're doing. It might seem that it's a little bit. <laughs> I don't think 8,000 messages is a little bit. Um, it's certainly important work. So thank you so much uh, for sharing your story with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Pedro. We've been speaking to Nicholas Ferreira, a translator and interpreted in Toronto who administers the group together. We can find 100,000 translators and interpreters on Facebook. And now here is Andy Carey with his song Renaissance Man. I'm doing time. There's no escape. These prison walls I built surround me. for me I'm guilty to the core lock me
That was Andy Carey with Renaissance Man from his Closing Circle album. And we will be speaking with Andy in about five minutes. But the first here back with us is Krista Matrenko, our news correspondent, um, to tell us more about the Olympics. That's right. It's, it's an interesting position uh, as a Canadian to, to see the whole world watching us. Yes. Because I think generally... Canadians kind of like flying under the radar. Yes. And uh, but now all the world is is focused on the Olympics, and uh, and so it's interesting to see what other countries think about us. Yes. I don't think uh, many of our American listeners are complaining too much about the Olympics. After all, they're they're raking in already a very significant yes. medal haul. Yes. Uh, but uh, there has been criticism about some of the glitches. Yeah. Uh, certainly in the opening ceremony, that, that one pillar on the that inside of the stadium, um, that, was, that was a little bit embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and regarding the outdoor flame, uh, there was also criticism about this because of the, the barbed wire fence around. And, yes. and it was almost like it was made for broadcast. And the people who wanted to see it with their own eyes were having some trouble. But mm-hmm. this, was, this was addressed. Um, however, our, our own uh, Alessia Dominica uh, was... Uh, who works here at Salt and Light is in the production team? She wrote a blog on Salt and Light, which was actually criticizing our media and the overzealous enthusiasm that followed Alexandro Bilodeau's win. And uh, and and he, um, when he won Canada's first gold medal um, on our on our home Olympic teams, as uh, uh, in our home Olympic games, yes. rather on our own soil. Um, naturally, the, the the media made a very big deal about this, mm. and and uh, and I think most Canadians did really. Um, and uh, and Alessia said that you know we the media shouldn't be giving him a, a savior like status that this was inappropriate for professional sports journalism, and uh, and that she worries that Canada will be seen as domineering and boastful. Mm. We also had something called the Own the Podium program, which was yes. in, intended to to uh, increase the number of medals that, that we get. And, uh, and she noted that, uh, that a journalist from the Times in, in London said that uh, this has alienated the world that we're supposed to play host to. Yes. Uh, Pedro, what do you think? Do you think that our media has been a little over the top? See, I, I'm a little unsure about that. I, uh, I, I, because perhaps it, we need to frame it differently. It's important for our listeners, especially that those who are not in Canada, to understand that Canada has never won a gold medal in any games that we've hosted. So in Montreal and Calgary, and now, well, at Montreal and Calgary. So, so the uh, I guess the uh, the motivation mm-hmm. to to win a gold medal came came from that history. Um, so to to want to get a gold medal. I'm not entirely sure it's a bad thing. Now, as to how the media is covering it, um, I don't know if if I would have said that Bilodeau was, you know, hailed as a savior. Um, perhaps, perhaps. Um, I know that we've received a few medals since then, mm-hmm. um, and that we're all anticipating that gold medal in hockey. I know certainly the women mm-hmm. um, um, and the men. So, uh, a little bit of pride, if anything, I'd say. Uh, uh, you know, pride comes before the fall. <laughs> I, I uh, but, suppose, but, the, but the, a little bit yeah. of pride in 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 doing our best, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and doing our best at at what we do well, mm-hmm. winter sports, um, it's not a bad thing. Well, the you certainly can't fault this this freestyle skier uh, Bilodeau. He was no. very very humble, and uh, even in the medal presentation that uh, that that followed. 
Um, however, my take on this is that the Olympics itself is is very, very over the top. These evocations of Olympic spirit and these these high ideals, and uh, um, it's it's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. But I'm not sure that that Canadians covering the Olympics is uh, is so very different than us as Catholics covering the church and that we do allow for a certain degree of, of celebration mm-hmm. for our own community. Yeah, exactly. I, I, if I can say one more thing, I think it's more interesting wh- how the media covered our first medal, which was not a gold medal, it was a bronze medal. Mm. And it seemed that everybody expected that, and I can't remember uh, the woman's name. Well, Jennifer Gen- Hale. Jennifer I she, Hale, I think she won silver. I think she won silver. S- sorry, silver. But she expected um, gold. She expected mm-hmm. gold. Everyone expected that she would win gold, mm-hmm. and then she won silver, and it was like, Oh, okay, let's not cover her. And she was extremely humble, but also I think that the, what she said in terms of, I did my best, this is great, this is not an embarrassment, this mm. I mean, a silver medal, it's a mm-hmm. silver medal. And, and the idea that, that the, the silver and bronze are not the losers, the first two of the losers, but mm-hmm. rather the idea that they're, you know, the top three in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, always uh, exciting uh, to talk to you about... Um, about these uh, stories. Um, so that was Krista Matrenko, our uh, Salt and Light Radio News producer. If you'd like to comment on anything you hear on our program, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Are we doing a good job at the Olympics? I'd, I'd love to know. That's a great question. Are we doing a great job at covering the Olympics? And are we doing a good job on the Olympics? Send us your email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. This is Kyle Hyman from Papua, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159, XM 117. Several years ago, we used to run a Catholic coffee house in Toronto called Hungry for the Spirit, and it was a wonderful initiative which brought together many talented artists of faith. One of them was pianist, uh, singer, and songwriter Andy Carey, whose music we've been listening to, and Andy joins me now on the phone Hello, Andy. Hey, Pedro. How are you doing? Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Well, it's nice to be back. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, we've been listening to some of your songs, uh, Color and Renaissance Man. We're going to hear uh, uh, at least one more uh, in the time that's left in the program. And, I, I, and I'm sure that, I, I know that when I first heard your music, I had the same, the same thought. And I'm wondering if our listeners have the same, they, they listen to your music and go, that, that sounds very secular. It's not... I thought this was a Catholic show. Why are we listening to this music? So I guess the question is, you have a choice to do religious music or Catholic music. You are a Catholic. You're practicing your faith. But you're choosing to do secular... First of all, would you say that your music is secular or not? And then why have you chosen to, to go in that direction? Well, I think that, that the, the music's definitely accessible uh, to the secular market. Um, but I think it's accessible... Uh, you know, to to a spiritual or a faith-based market as well, just simply because, um, you know, I think if 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 you were to get into you know my background and um, certainly what um, what influenced me in terms of my musical development, even mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's a tremendous amount of of, uh, of spiritual and sacred music in my past that yeah. that, that um, is infused in in the music, but it's you know almost like a like a parable. 
Um, okay. You know, you, you'd have to dig deeper uh, than the story, you know, to, to, to see the, the spiritual significance in the songs. And, it, and that's purposeful. I mean, I, I try to imbue each song with a message. Yeah. Uh, but it isn't necessarily apparent on, on first listen, and, you know, unless, you know, you're, 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 looking, you're looking for it. So it's kind of like those, you know, the, the, um, the, the situation where, uh, you know, people... Uh, people look, but they don't see, and they, you uh-huh. know, they they listen, but they don't hear. So there's a certain element of that as well, and and um, it, it's kind of, uh, I guess, in a way, um, you know, leaving it open to the listener to to dig deeper uh, if they want to, and if they don't, it it still stands, you know, on its own in a in a uh, you know from a musical standpoint. Now, in terms of the message, if every song has a message, um, is the choice to make it not. Um to have the listener have to dig deeper, also a choice to not beat them over the head with a message. Well, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. Uh, I mean, it's I guess when when you say beat them over the head, I mean certainly the songs don't don't uh, uh, you know use the word Jesus well, or, or the cross yeah. necessarily. It's, they're not they're not songs that are intended um, you know to be uh, to be part of a Catholic mass. But but that doesn't right. necessarily mean. You know that that the songs aren't spiritual. I mean, even a lot of the parables don't, you know, don't use the word Jesus or the cross either. I mean, they're they're really just stories on their own, you know, on their own uh, of their own right. And 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 so, uh, the significance of them, you know, can be can be uh, gleaned in the context of of a mass. Just simply, you know, similarly, I think the same thing could be said of of the songs. I mean, you know, some songs you you know you can't stretch that. Uh, stretch that too far if it's if it's simply a relationship song uh, right. you know, along the lines of of color. But even in color, there's you know there's elements of of uh, uh, of, of sort of forgiveness and and um, uh, seeing the significance of uh, of coincidence in your life and various other things, which you know which which oftentimes you know are related to you know sort of sort of a spiritual underpinning, a calling, let's say. Right now, would you say that because it's it, it, it's almost impossible to separate your own spirituality from yourself your your own i mean the fa- your faith is such a big part of who you are so when you sit down to write a song you can't just uh you know separate that aspect of yourself so some of that is going to kind of spill into the music or into the lyrics anyway yeah no i, I think i think that's a that's a good point and and uh you know you i think you i think every artist tries to um, be true to themselves in, in terms mm-hmm. of what they're what they're creating. Not not trying too hard to, you know, to pander to a particular interest group or what have you. That's certainly, you know, the case for me. I mean, I, I'm I'm really doing this, um, you know, to to make the music that that I want to make. Uh, and uh, so it, it, you know, as a result, I think it it is a reflection of me. But it, it you'd have to dig pretty deep um, in in certain songs to sort of. Uh, you know, pull the 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 actual Catholic um, background that I have, uh, you know, out of the songs. But it's it's definitely right. there. Right now, just a note for anyone that might be just joining the program at this point: you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with our artist of the week, Andy Carey. Now, um, I was going to ask you about then what drives your music. Um, you're writing about, like you said, relationships, or I mean, any number of of, of topics. Um, do you uh, seek inspiration uh, anywhere, or do you have like a, a spiritual time where you, not that you sit and pray before you write a song, but do you know what I mean? Um, sort of wh- what drives your music, or what uh, 
not specifically what drives you to write a song, but what drives your music in general, or your 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 uh, your the the thing that makes you write music. What is it? What drives it? I think the first of all, it's a love of music. Um, you know, which which uh, I think you know has to be the starting place when when you're when you're sitting down to write a song. I, I think beyond that, it's it's obviously you know your your life influences. Uh, they tend to be current. So, for instance, in, in the song Renaissance Man, I, I wrote that, I wrote the lyrics of that song shortly after the tsunami. Oh, um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure of the, of the uh, you know, the synapse process that led, led to the lyrics that, that I ended up with. It, it all kind of happened rather fast. But, uh-huh. but I think the song is, um, you know, is, a, is an interesting one about, uh, you know, about, about rebirth. And, and that's a, to give an example of how, you know, the, Catholic side sort of ties in. I, I actually took that theme from a uh, from the sermon of, of Pope John Paul when he was here for World Youth Day. It's not in the text of his of his sermon, but he, he, he at one point he said that you know young people have to give birth, uh-huh. and I and I, I really took that to heart at the time. It was a time when I was doing a lot of writing, and um, uh, the concept of of you know a Renaissance man is 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 someone that sort of looks at their life and says you know hey what am I going to give birth to in my life. Uh, you know what am I going to create? And, mm-hmm. and for me, the the songwriting process is is uh, sort of a manifestation of of of, of that process. Uh, first of all, bringing a you know a song to completion and then recording it, bringing a CD to completion. But but the the actual subject matter of a lot of the songs deal with that that search for you know what what am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to be? What is you know what is my calling? And and sometimes that once you once you sort of have a hint of what that is, it it does kind of require you know a rebirth and and um, and the, and the prison walls that that Renaissance man talked about uh, in the lyrics is is sort of that you know that feeling that sometimes you you're kind of like the seed that that's germinating but but hasn't actually broken the surface right. of, the, of the of the ground yet and and sprouted into something but it you know it's it's kind of a lonely process but but you have to kind of suffer through it to get to you know the the, the rich harvest mm-hmm. now you have three albums um, and I know you're working on a fourth one is that correct yes um, uh, what are what are your hopes for you because you're not a full-time musician you have a you have a day job um, what are your hopes for your music or your hopes for your listeners well I think for uh, hopes for the music is is that it continues I mean it brings so much joy to me uh, and and I, I think it's such an important part of you know my um, my life that that you know that I I just obviously want to continue to play the piano. I continue to want to sing, and, and I continue to want to to um, to to write songs. So so um, you know I think the love of music is is something that I want to continue. Um, uh, what was the second one? Hope, In terms hope. of how you how you hope your your music would impact, I guess, the listeners. Well, I, I think that I think that um, I think I also came to a point in my life where I realized that that just you know, just developing music by yourself is is kind of wasting the gift. And so I, I invested, you know, as I still do in, in the songwriting process with the intention, you know, to share it with other people mm-hmm. in the hopes that they'll get something out of it. I, I think it's you know, I look at songs almost like, you know, children in a way that you that you do give birth to them, but but ultimately you can't really control, you know, what they're gonna grow up to be. And and to the extent that, huh. you know, that, that someone's listening to my song and at a certain point uh somewhere in the world i mean i, I don't have control over that but right. i i'm just i kind of have faith and hope that 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 someone will get something positive out of it out of it and and from my journey that that will help them Neat. 
Yeah, that's really profound. That, that I like that image that songs are like children. We we give them birth, but we don't know what they're going to grow up to be. I like that. Um, your music is, uh, I know your website is under construction, although uh, we will, you know, andycarry.com, we'll let people know how to get there. But you, you're saying that if people are interested in your music, they can just type in your name in iTunes, do a search? Yes, do a search on iTunes uh, under Andy Carey, C-A-R-E-Y yeah. is the last name. And, um, yeah, they'll, they'll see the, the album Closing Circle, and you can, you know, listen to samples of the songs and, and hopefully download uh, download some of them or the whole album's nine ninety nine. Excellent, yeah. So I hope uh, that uh, people, just with the taste that they've had so far, are, are interested enough to go visit. Andy, th Andy, that's all the time we have. So thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, and for, uh, yeah, thanks for calling, uh, Pedro. It's we'll good stay to talk in touch. To you. Yeah, God bless. That was Andy Carey, our featured artist of the week. Uh, for more information and, again, to download some of his songs, you can visit his website, andycarey.com, C-A-R-E-Y, andycarey.com. Um, there are some songs there that you can download, but as Andy said, uh, you can also do a search in iTunes to download the full album, Closing Circle. Here now is Andy with his song, Why, from that same album, Closing Circle.
was our artist of the week, Andy Carey, with his song, Why. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org, and our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now again, it's time for events. Here back with us is Mary Rose, and we go to Vancouver. That's right, because today is day nine of the Vancouver Winter Olympics. And I know we're all excited about our Canadian athletes and all the medals we're getting, but yes. there are Catholics behind the scenes in Vancouver ministering to the public at large. So let's go to them. And if you've ever come across uh, the blog, ClaytonEmo.com, that's C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-I-M-O-O.com, you'll know who I'm talking about. And that's Clayton Emo himself, the director of the Youth Ministry Office for the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Vancouver and the person who runs this blog. And I spoke to him earlier this week. Okay, so Clayton, I, I, I got into your blog site and I'm really impressed with all the funny, upbeat and down-to-earth video blog, your daily updates about the Olympics. Well, thank so you. So I'm wondering, aside from, you know, giving your own perspective about what's going on and what you're doing, what else would you say you really hope to achieve with these video blogs? Th well, firstly, thanks for watching them. <laughs> I really appreciate it. So you're one of the two people that I do know, <laughs> uh, you and my mom. Um, and your kids. and your Yeah, there you wife. go. Okay, so there, maybe there's a few. <laughs> I, uh, there's a couple of reasons why I want to do it. Number one, I, uh, just obviously a creative, anyone who uh, blogs or, and does video or writing, I think it's a, it's a nice creative outlet. To, to at least work, uh, hone my skills, um, so to speak. But more importantly, I just really wanted to showcase uh, what the diocese is doing. Now, you mentioned that Archbishop Miller is really supportive of what you're doing. Yes, uh, he, he's aware of the blog. He's seen, um, I try to do them every day, so I've done about 12 now since the week before the Olympics, and he's, he's seen at least a few of them because we've had a couple of conversations, and, and he's in a couple of them as well. But mm -hmm. he, he is very supportive, and so much so that Give me permission to link to link my personal blog up to our diocesan website, the Archdiocese of Vancouver and the Youth Ministry Office website. Now, what I didn't know what that was that there's a there's an archdiocesan ministry in Vancouver um, to the athletes, I guess, and, and all the people gathering there. Can you talk about that ministry? Sure. Um, are you talking about the the Welcome Center, uh, Mary Rose? Yes, the, the Catholic Hospitality yeah. Center. Yeah, we we have a really neat opportunity here. We are building our pastoral center is one block away from BC Place, the main stadium where everything is happening. So we're right on the heart of Robson Street in the heart of downtown Vancouver, and we had a lot of foot traffic. So we recognized about a year and a half ago that this would be a wonderful opportunity to evangelize, to, to build community, and to invite people into our, our building and learn a bit about the faith while enjoying a, a nice cup of coffee. So that's really what it is. It's a Catholic hospitality center or a Catholic welcome center and the whole point is that we're open 10 hours a day from noon until 10 p.m. And just anyone who wants to come in, Catholic or non-Catholic, believer, non-believer, local, national, international travelers, just a chance to come in, enjoy a cup of coffee, sit in front of a, one of the big screen TVs, uh, learn a bit about the diocese, uh, write a, a prayer intention on a, on a prayer wall we have, and uh, look at some merchandise and some displays, and even spend some quiet time in our chapel. So it's we have a, a little bit for everyone, and it's just a chance for us as a church to, to really um, promote what we're doing as an archdiocese and yet be the face of, of Jesus to anyone who wants to come in through those doors. Now, you also mentioned that that, that ministry is distinct from the More Than Gold um, yes. program happening there. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, we, are, uh, we are supporters and a member of the More Than Gold uh, initiative, which is um, many of the Christian churches from the Lower Mainland getting together. And More Than Gold is officially recognized by Vanock as 
as the spiritual component of, of the Olympic Games. So uh, we are part of More Than Gold. In fact, one of our, our directors, our director of the Office of Evangelization, is heading up the Catholic chaplaincy for More Than Gold. So a few priests are in the athlete's village um, offering sacraments, which is awesome, to the, to the athletes and their families and their, their, their staff. And we also um, have more than gold visitors come in through through our building, and we're we're displaying and selling some of their merchandise. But yes, we are supportive. We are a member of more than gold. Yet this hospitality center is uh, as, is our own true Catholic initiative. So for anybody um, down in Vancouver, I guess they could visit you at the Catholic Hospitality Center. Absolutely, we would love to see them if they come <laughs> in. They can even if they say that they heard this on Salt and Light. We probably won't do anything for them, but we'll say thank you very much. Um, yeah, we're at the corner of Robson and Camby. Our address is 150 Robson Street, and we're right next to BC Place. You can't miss us, and we're right next to Alberta House, and they're always rocking, too. So there's always a lot of traffic and a lot of excitement around And, and if we can't make it to Vancouver, there's always your, your blog, yeah, com, And yes. then uh, are we expecting more daily updates from you till the end of the Olympics? You got it. Th- thank you Perfect. for mentioning the website. This is ClaytonEmo.com. It's also linked to youthmen.com on our RCAV website, uh, the Roman Catholic website, and yes, I, I plan, as long as my energy, my body, and my, my mental state holds up, I plan to do these every night. i got to work on what time I post them, though. That's a little crazy, but uh, yes, the plan is to capture the excitement, especially as we go deeper into the games, and downtown even gets busier and crazier. Perfect. Thanks, Clayton, and enjoy the, the rest of the Olympics. We're going to be Thanks looking forward to your blogs. Awesome. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. So we were just speaking to Clayton Emo, Director of the Youth Ministry for the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Vancouver. And just to remind viewers, Clayton will be giving a daily Olympics update all the way to the end of the, of the Vancouver Olympics on February 28th. So watch out for them at ClaytonEmo.com. That's C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-I-M-O-O.com. You can also check out YouthMin.com. Thank you, Mary Rose. I've been following the secular media uh, to get my Olympic news, but now I will follow Clay's uh, blog as well. Thank you so much. Uh, and to all of you, our listeners, remember, let us know about your events. It's as easy as sending Mary Rose an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. Now remember to tune in tomorrow, Sunday, February 20th, for an all-new Witness, Father Tom Rosica speaks to Bishop Andre Lenard, Archbishop of Brussels. So that's Witness with Father Tom Rosica tomorrow, Sunday, February 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. And following Witness, we have a new Lexio Divina with Toronto Archbishop Thomas Collins. This week's scripture passage is from Matthew chapter 24, 24 verse 45 to Matthew, it's a long one, uh, to Matthew 25 verse 13. So yes, that's the parable of the wise virgins. So be sure to tune in. Lectio Divina with Archbishop Thomas Collins tomorrow, Sunday, February 21st. And remember, if you missed any part of this broadcast or if you want to listen to any Salt and Light radio program, we archive all our shows. Just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All the shows are there, available for podcast. And remember to let us know your thoughts on anything that you hear on our program. The email again is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And just before we go, Mary Rose, did you already uh, give something up for Lent? Because we, we haven't really speaking much about Lent. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I guess give you us shouldn't tell us. Yeah, because is that like a, like a 
you make a wish and you tell someone it, it doesn't come through if you have a well almost you know it's, it's not even so much giving up but uh making time for something yes very yes. good and i'm thinking about that in fact making time for the 40 days for life campaign is one of mine yes and for adoration um so uh hopefully we'll get a chance to speak a little bit more about lent and uh oh for sure uh, we have lent enough time we resolutions have, uh, 40 days uh, as as the as the 40 days go by so that's all for today thank you for being with us and have a blessed beginning of the lenten season i'm mary rose for and i'm pedro guevara man and this has been salt and light radio